Welcome to Communicating the Art, the international conference for cultural leaders. Episode 15. Organizational Creativity for Creative Organization. By Amy Maiden, Chief Strategy Officer, aka the Global House Marketing Agency, Australia. Hi, good morning, everybody. Okay, this is a workshop, you're going to have to talk to me, okay? So, how is everybody this morning? Good? Has, I, I missed yesterday. How's it going so far? Is it good ideas? Inspiring? Yes? Great. Um, I also want to acknowledge the land that we're on. We are borrowing it. Some people stole it. It is, was, always will be Aboriginal land and I'm very grateful to be able to do what I do on this land in Australia. I spent a long time away, out of the country and I'm very happy to be home. Um, just, I want to get a sense of who's in the room because I haven't had a chance. There's some faces that I know, there's faces that I don't know. So who here is arts administrator, like executive leadership, marketing? Who works in that space? Great. Who is a practicing artist? Who makes their money making art? No one. Okay. Yes, great. Well done. Who has a creative practice outside of their job? Who does something creative? Paints, sings, writes, does ceramics. That was me. I went to a ceramics class on Saturday. I'm really proud of myself. Um, great. Okay, um, this is, I'm doing this session in a format that I've never done before, which is also kind of the theme of the session as well as trying something new. Um, so who knows how it's gonna go, but thank you for joining me on this adventure today. Um, so why are we here? What are we talking about? And I, I picked this session today because I was doing a keynote. I was asked to do a keynote last year for some big corporates and they wanted me to come and talk about how to put creativity in the heart of their businesses and this was like big banks and you know those kind of guys and I spent all of this time talking about how important creativity is and about how we need it for the future and that we're in really uncertain and challenging times and that these times are going to need a lot of nuance and diplomacy and soft power skills and all of that is rooted in creativity. I know I'm preaching to the converted here, everybody in this room knows that. I'm not here to tell you what you already know. Um, but when I was doing that speech, I kind of started to get, get interested in how that's reflected in the creative industries. I have, I'm very grateful that I get to work across a huge broad breadth of different organizations and companies. You know, I work on like Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. It can't get much bigger than that, but also like Grace and Perry's visual arts tour, like all spectrums of stuff. And I see across that spectrum increasingly and having worked in the nonprofits, I see that a lot of the times, or a lot of times, and tell me if you think this is true or not, I hear, I see art being kind of separate, being left to the artists, or creativity being given to the creatives. In fact, I've worked in places where I've been told, leave it to the creatives. Creatives being curators, directors, writers, but in my jobs, which has often been based in audience or communication or marketing or leadership, I was kind of like, well, hang on, why don't I get to be creative in my job? Like, where's, where's that going? And while I thought it was funny that corporates are spending millions of dollars getting people like us to teach them how to put creativity into their businesses, it's inherently knitted into our DNA. But what I'm seeing, and especially in times of financial upheaval, of funding uncertainty, that we tend to, as creative organisations, stick to another side of things. We need to be able to be played safe, we need to work lean, we need to be economical, we stack our boards with accountants, bankers, lawyers, very smart people. But if you're in the administrative side of the business, creativity isn't something that is often encouraged, I find. Does that resonate with anybody? Is anybody else finding that true? 
yes, no, some nodding heads, yeah. And so then I kind of started to explore about, okay, so when we're really busy all the time, often working with a team that is under-resourced and not a big enough budget to do our jobs, we often default to what worked last year, what I have time to do right now, those kind of thinking, and that isn't going to help us be creative. Um, and then I started thinking about revolutions. I'm so way off script already. Uh, I started thinking about like revolutions. And I think that we are in time of multiple revolutions at the moment, right? Not just politically and environmentally, but also from a tech perspective, obviously, and from a marketing perspective, we're in a marketing revolution right now. Everything is changing. And we are also in the midst of the greatest wealth transfer of wealth in history. So the boomers, uh, were the richest generation ever in the history of everything. And they are starting to hand their wealth down to the millennials. Poor Gen Z, we got lost in the middle somewhere with Nirvana. But it's that money's transferring down. In Australia, that's $3 trillion is moving from one generation to another generation right now. And that younger generation, they have a different life experience. They're digital natives, they've grown up in a different way. Their expectation of experience is different. Happily, they love experience. They're going to buy an experience over a thing now, which is great news for us, but they have different expectations for us. And so we, as arts administrators, as people who want people to connect with us, we have to evolve how we work. Just because they're getting to the same age as a subscriber would normally mean, doesn't mean they're going to become a subscriber. And we have to interrogate that. And to do that, we need to be more creative and we need to try new things and we need to evolve in how we work. So then I started kind of thinking about what are some ways to do that, really. Don't get me wrong, I do believe, obviously, that strategic plans and frameworks and government's missions, they're all very, very important to what we do and we need them. But when we are focusing on that day-to-day, -day, when we're focusing on the same, you know, urgent things or what's urgent of all the urgent, we can get stuck in the same ways of thinking. And I get it, I've been there. When you're like, I've got two and a half staff, I don't have time to think about a new subscriber strategy, Amy. Like, I completely understand that thinking. Or we can get into ways of, we tried it once and it didn't work, so we're not going to do it again. Or the board's never going to go for it. Or my boss is never going to go for it. Or we don't have enough money. You know, there's always a reason as to why we shouldn't try something new or get creative. All of us work in the creative arts for a reason. I'm going to guess that reason isn't the giant salaries that we're all getting paid, right? We all came to the creative arts for a reason because there's an artist inside all of us in some different way. So what I'm trying to do in the way that I work at the moment and where my teams work is get that together, is get the creative thinking into the heart of what we're doing so we don't fall behind in what is a huge opportunity for us coming into the market. So the only way that we can make this change, sorry, I'm working off two screens today, <clears throat> is, uh, yes, to do that. So, managing creativity, though, is really hard, right? Because creativity isn't linear, doesn't sit nicely on a balance sheet. We don't have creativity lines in our budgets, although that would be really lovely. <laughs> you know, it's kind of, it can't be measured against a KPI. And so we're working in, most of us, I would assume, quite Western constructs with linear ways of business models. And so to fit creativity into that when you're just trying to break even for the year is really hard. And it's okay that it's hard because what we do for a living is hard. And that's fine. But I think as long as we can keep, if we can get some creativity into the heart of what we're doing, it's going to help us move forward. Is any of this resonating? 
Yes? You're just kind of staring at me, so I'm not quite sure. I guess that's what happens when you do a speech. Um, so where do we start? I think one of the biggest things is that what creativity needs us to do, especially in the world at the moment, is to slow down. And this is a big one for me, right? This is a personal one. I'm oversharing already. Um, so I love Mr. Men. Um, it used to be a time that a person's wealth was measured by how much spare time they had, right? Long holidays. It, uh, it takes a good six weeks to sail your yacht through the Cayman Islands. You know, time was a measure of wealth. But now there's studies that show Harvard, Georgetown and Columbus University all just did this really big study that shows the busier a person is deemed to be, the more important they seem. My head exploded when I read that, <laughs> that the busier we seem, the more important we seem. That's the world that we are in at the moment. And so now we're all so busy talking about how busy we are and we're posting about how busy we are. I posted this morning that I'm presenting at two conferences this week. Look how busy and impressive I am, right? We're in this cult of busy. And so when we're in this mindset. It's almost an act of revolution itself to consciously make some time to slow down because creative thought, it's not a neurological process that comes in a minute. It's actually not an idea that comes from the gods in a divine moment of inspiration. Creativity is a neurological pathway that takes time. It's a cognitive process that takes time. So we need to try and find some time to slow down. And coupled with that, we are cursed with efficiency. You know, how many people are talking about efficiency in their organizations at the moment? We've got to be more efficient. We've got to be leaner. How can we use our money more efficiently? And it's great and it's important, but the curse, we're getting so good at being efficient that it's actually robbing us of the time that we need to make mistakes and to learn and to fail. I was a, I've been a huge, this is me, right? This is a huge one for me. And what we have to do right now is try and find some space to make some time to slow down. Because when we are so busy, hustling and pushing and trying to do something new, then we default to quick fixes and we default to what's always worked before. Or we default to what's not kind of good enough, but oh God, we're just going to do it anyway because we've got to get onto the next thing because we're so busy. Um, and so we kind of go and go for those convenient solutions and familiar plans. Oh, Ashlyn's here. Ashlyn, this one's for you. Hang on. Ah, counting cracking. <laughs> Can Cracking, this was a production that was put on by Belvoir last year. It swept the Helpmans. It was an amazing show. It sold out at the Sydney Festival. This show, how many years of development was it, Ashley? Four? Uh, ten years. Ten years. Ten years of development to get a work to the stage. When was the last time you got ten years to build a new subscriber strategy? or a new, even one year, <laughs> or a membership base. This one's for Ben. Hamilton, quite possibly the most successful piece of theatre in recent history. The Public Theatre in New York developed this one for six years. Six years of rounds of funding, of getting it right, of trying things and failing. How can we, and this is a genuine question I'm asking in the room because I don't have it solved yet. How do we, as arts leaders and executives and administrators, learn from the process that we support so wholeheartedly to inform our own work. How do we give ourselves the gift of time 
And again, I know you're here for answers, but I actually don't have them. Um, how do we become slowing down? And this is something that's actually really personal because it could be, do you have kids? Do you not have kids? Do you have a dog? Are you working part-time? Are you working two jobs? Are you in the gig economy? What are the pressures of your organization? It's a really personal one-on-one -on -one thing to reflect on and think about, but we're gonna do it now because this is a workshop. So I want you to just get into some little groups around you and we're gonna take five minutes, which is ironic in an exercise about slowing down, but we're gonna take five minutes and I want you to just reflect on are there ways that you can build it into your work? Are there ways that you can manage expectations? Or does someone have some learnings that they can share with the group? Is there a project that you've wanted to get over the line but have never had time? Or is there a project that you rushed and it wasn't as good because you rushed it? Or do you have no idea and you just want to hash some ideas out? Let's go. Just turn around, little groups. Let's go. Five minutes. Come on. It's a workshop. We're arts people. <laughs> All right, now just coming back up to the front. How was that conversation? Interesting? Learn some things? Yes? It's hard. I get it. None of the things, this is not an easy task that we're talking about today. And, it's, and it takes a reprioritization. And it takes some tough fighting and boundaries and things. So I get it. But I think, I think it's about keeping it front of mind. I think it's about talking about it with your colleagues. Um, and I think it's a constant reminder that I inherently believe that in today's world, slowing down is an act of rebellion and giving ourselves time and space for nothing brings those creative thoughts through and we do better work and as we're going to have to do. So next in my little toolkit of things I've been thinking about <clears throat> is space to fail. So making space for creativity in our workplaces, it necessitates a need for EQ as much as IQ. But we all know this, okay? We need to be able to connect. We need to be able to make emotion and humanity and vulnerability the norm in our workplace. Because people, well, your teams, who here runs a team has staff that, and so most of us kind of are in sort of management roles, yes. So your teams are never gonna be able to be creative if they don't feel safe. And by safe, that can mean a broad range of things, especially when you're working across cultural areas as well but just space to bring an idea to the table, you know? But safe to do that is something that you really need to be able to be leaning in on the EQ to do that, because otherwise they're just not gonna bring the ideas. You know, I see a lot of organizations with the words innovation in a mission statement on the wall, right? And after a while, they just become words on the wall because it's not being embodied by the teams because the teams don't feel like they're being listened to, they don't feel like they're being spoken to, they feel like they're being involved because everyone's moving so fast. So the space to fail is really important. And it's also, again, really hard <laughs> because we work so lean these days and because there is so much space to fail in the creatives part, in the making of those beautiful shows, there's lots of space to fail because that's how they make a beautiful show. But if we, have, if we make a mistake in a marketing strategy or a comms piece or an executive moment, that costs money and the, the two things both cost money, but I think that we're seeing a separation of where risk is allowed and where it's not allowed because creativity, it needs risk because you're trying something new. It's always gonna involve risk and it's always probably gonna fail at some point. It's gonna make a mistake, but you're gonna learn from it. So space to fail is a really important thing that needs to be at a board level down. And that's really hard because you might have 
this brilliant team who are young and hungry and new to your organization and they're doing the day to day and they're really hungry for it. But if the board or the executive don't have that appetite, who don't understand how important this is in what we do, you're never gonna get it over the line. So it's conversations that we need to be having from a board and executive level down about how we can make it safer for our teams to make a mistake. Happens in my job all the time. <laughs> that my teams make mistakes. Um, so, you know, you can have all the brainstorming and butcher's paper in the world, it's not gonna do anything unless you're actually feeling safe to make that. So how do we do that? Actually, before we get to that, I think that uh, I do a lot of study of audiences. I spend my life thinking about audiences and people who go to arts experiences. I'm very passionate about those people. I love them. It's why I get out of bed. And at the moment, as we shift into this new generation, their expectations are getting higher and higher and higher, right? They want something special. They want something unique. They want something exactly for them. They want something that's going to stretch them. They want you to tease them, but don't show them too much. Very high maintenance audience that we are cultivating at the moment, which is great. I love them. But that means that we have to fight the proliferation of mediocrity, right? We can't put things out there that aren't great, but how do we get them to be great? We have to test them and we have to have space to fail, which means we have to do something new. And yes, I am gonna make you stand up and stand in a circle now. Yep, so everybody up, we're gonna stand in a circle. It's an arts workshop. There was this an arts workshop without being in a circle. Just move the chairs to the side. <laughs> If I could do a whole presentation about this is your comfort zone and this is you outside of your comfort zone, look at you, you're all hating me. You do not want to do this, I can feel it. <laughs> it's okay. We'll make the closest shape to a circle that we can. Yeah, I'm just going to move these bags if that's okay. No, 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 you're so fine. All right, come on in, stand in a circle. Come on, I'm going to stand in the middle. Oh, I hate it too. I hate this too. When we do arts workshops, we all have to stand in a circle. So why don't you just check in now and see how you're feeling. What are you thinking? Are you thinking, oh God, why is she holding a ball? Is she going to make me catch something? Are you thinking, oh my God, I'm so sick of doing these kind of workshops. I don't want to stand in a circle. That's not what my job is. Are you thinking, I hope I can throw it overarm because I'm really good at cricket? Right? Check in. It feels a bit uncomfortable. Plus, we've changed the dynamic of the room because before it was you guys here and me up front with a clicker. Now I'm very scared standing in the middle of all these very smart people. So it's shifted the dynamic. This is how we feel when we try something new at work as well. This is how your teams might feel if you want to challenge them with a new idea or a new strategy. This is how your board might feel if you say, hey, let's try a new way of getting some new audiences. The better we can get at sitting in discomfort, the more creative we're gonna be, right? Because it takes a bit of vulnerability. I'm feeling very vulnerable. I've never done this before. This might fail miserably. I have no idea. The better we sit in this, the better we're going to get. And the more you do it, you'll know that this feeling of uncomfortable, of vulnerability, is not a reason to stop. It's a reason to interrogate further. And if you can get this happening in your teams and your organizations, it's going to be better. Right? To get that vulnerability and that trust happening, you have to connect and be present. I am so bad at typing on a computer while my team are trying to talk to me because I'm trying to do three things at once, right? It's the, one of the worst habits I have and I'm trying to get rid of it. So to connect with your teens, you need to connect with them. You need to be present with them. So we're gonna play a game. Yes, it's really simple. It's, I promise you, it's really, really simple, right? So all I'm gonna do 
is I'm going to connect with someone I don't know. I make eye contact with them. I take a breath. I'm going to throw you the ball. And you're going to catch it. Yes! See how easy that was? Yes! Nervous laugh. Did you feel that? It was a bit like, oh, God. Oh, God, she's going to do it again. Oh, where's he going to throw it? You feel it, right? So you're going to make eye contact. Don't throw it at me. Make eye contact at someone you don't know. Take a second. Breathe deep. Connect. Be present. Yeah, you throw it. Throw it underarm. Yes! We arts people can catch balls. Look at us. You do it too. We're going to do this for a while. We're just going to keep talking. So feel it. It's nervous, right? You can just keep going. Just don't hit me. Right? I made a joke to make you feel more comfortable. Oh, sorry. Um, I'm thinking, okay, this is not a disaster. It's kind of working. Right? It's really simple. Oh, but that's okay. And then he did it again. And he threw it again and she caught it. Easy. Yes, exactly. Right? It's really basic. And look, teamwork, helping each other. See? It's a really, keep going actually. This is a really simple example, right? You do this with corporates at Westpac and they freak out. It's really funny. They hate it. They feel really uncomfortable. But all it is, is a reminder of what it feels like to do something new, which we can forget. <laughs> Oh no, you had to stand in the middle. <gasps> Even worse, so exposed. Get out of your way, which way are you going? Right. And now, at lunchtime, you're going to connect with that person that you're like, I threw the ball at you. Or you, I threw it, threw it at me and I dropped it. One more, go on. Oh, okay, yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you, I really appreciate that. Give yourselves a clap. We've always got a clap in a circle, don't we? All right, grab your seats, let's sit down again. <laughs> Does it make sense why I did that? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for indulging me with that. <laughs> Does it make sense why I did that exercise? Yeah? So next time you go to try something new or next time you go, oh, I have this idea, but oh God, I just who has the time? It's down the bottom of the priority list. Have a remember how that felt. It's actually quite simple. You've just got to sit in that discomfort. And if you and your teams can learn how to do that, the safer the environment you're going to create, the better ideas that are going to come forward. If you can do that and then take some time to slow down, you'll be off to the races. Well, not the races, something that's opposite of a race. <laughs> now. We're getting there. Next. This is one that is not going to be new to this room at all, which is that if we want to foster a creative environment at work, we have to have cognitive diversity, right? Yes, white middle-class lady talking about diversity. I get it. But I'm not just talking about racial diversity. I'm talking about age, cultural background. I'm talking about religion. I'm talking about economic status. I'm talking about value sets. This is a big one for me. My team are great, but it's very homogenized thinking that's happening there in my organization at the moment. So I have to have a remit to broaden that out. If we want to broaden our audiences, the people who are on our boards and our executive teams and all the way through the teams have to reflect the audience that we want to bring in. Otherwise, there's just no possible way that we can understand how to connect with them. And it's really, really important. <laughs> and I know everybody here already knows that and I'm preaching to the converted, but I think at the moment we see it like at that bottom of the business structure, we see it really well, but we're still not seeing it at the board level and we're still not seeing it at the executive level. 
and it's something that's really important. And I think it's something to reflect on. I, and I think a big area for this that I've been thinking about a lot lately is recruitment, the ways that we recruit, how we recruit. And I've had to do a big reflection on where am I advertising my jobs? Am I just popping it up on Seek and Arts Hub? Am I if I am, if you're Australian, if, I'm sorry if you're not from here and you don't know what those sites are, but they're where everybody puts their jobs. They're the only places that I'm putting them. Am I just getting recommendations from my team of people they already know? Am I always inviting in a similar kind of thinking into my organisation? There is, you know, a lot of reading that we can all do about unconscious bias and about mentoring and that the way that the, a patriarchal world has been built is that people are mentoring people who they see themselves reflected in. It's a really big thing that happens. I've done it, 100% I've done it and I hold my hands up for that. So what are some things, and we're gonna get back into some discussion groups soon, about how we can open up the doors to our business at all levels to bring in different ways of thinking. You know, it's kind of the corporate sectors that I work with have creativity as the number one skill that they look for now in employment. We pop it down the bottom. We put experience, knowledge of the arts, passion for the arts, perhaps a degree of some kind. We need to rethink about the structures of employment and opportunity that we make. So one of the things that I've started, that I started to do is that I have my assistant, I have an assistant now, uh, my assistant, she takes the names off all the resumes that come through and all the letters so I can't see any kind of like cultural background that might be in someone's name because I was finding that I was biased in that, right? And I was mortified, felt sick when I realized when someone brought it to my attention to do the names. But then I realized that I was having a tendency, I'm being very honest with you all here, I was having a tendency towards younger people. That's, I mean, I used to run a youth theatre, but still, not okay, not okay. I've started just started working with um, Museums Victoria, who are three, a group of three museums in Victoria, funnily enough, um, and I did a big immersion session with them last week, and their team was so multi-generational, and different people of different ages at different levels. It was really great to see. It was really great to work in that kind of environment. And no matter what age they were at, everyone also recognised that in different situations, different people were elders in that situation, which was also a beautiful thing to see. And great ideas were coming out of that team as a result. So what I also do now is I have people delete the dates of schooling and education off CVs, so I can't guess how old they might be as well, because I recognise that those two things were unconscious biases in me and it wasn't cool and I had to look at it and I had to take a good long look at myself in the mirror. Uh, to do that. And I think there's more ways that we can do that as well. Um, so we're going to spend another five minutes having a chat and you can mix up your groups, you can talk to different people if you like, but I want you to talk about how are different ways, and I don't want it to be through unpaid internships, how are different ways that we can create more cognitive diversity in our workspaces? Is it like a flexible working hour for returning mothers? How's that going to work? Is it, you know, job sharing? What are some different ways? It's, again, I don't have the answer on this but I'm interested to hear what comes from this group of very smart and talented people as to what we could make possibly do to unpick that a little bit. You know, what's the audience that you wanna see at your venue, theater, gallery, museum? And do you have those people reflected in your team and on your board? Go, take some time, have a chat, turn around. I don't have the answers, you do. Wherever you want, yeah. <laughs> Great. I feel like that conversation is one that we could take four hours having. Was there anything that anyone wants to share? 
that they learned that was interesting and insight? Anything? I would like to know because I need the answer as well. No? Yes? Kira? Sorry, yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to say about this advisory committee idea that, um, that you were talking about in your organisation. So a, a way of, um, I guess, diversifying the opinions um, at the organisation um, through yeah, having an advisory committee. Cool. Anything else? No? All still marinating on how we're going to solve all the problems of the arts sector? Oh, I really liked how when you were talking about the ageing collections actually coming into like a special collections team. Yeah, so um, I work at the National Library of Australia. Mm -hmm. We have a very diverse workforce, but they're very invisible. We have a large Asian staff who have been hired for their language skills and expertise. And they have had a beautiful reading room on the third floor of the building where everything's been nicely organised and for various reasons we've now decided to um, close that reading room and bring those staff and the collections into the special collections reading room um, where many of our senior researchers were and I was reflecting on it was Darren's presentation yesterday where he was talking about diversity and inclusion and it's there's no point being diverse if nobody can see how diverse yes. you are that's not an inclusive process and I was making the, the comment that one of the unintended benefits of this economic decision and um, efficiency decision was that our diverse staff will actually be visible to the people who come right. and use the library and suddenly people will see a range of cultural heritage um, and language skills helping them in the reading rooms whereas before if they had they weren't interested in yeah. Asian cultures. Just <clears throat> that How interesting. Some of your efficiency is actually working for you. Yeah. That's great. That's Don't great. Tell I watch. <laughs> this is a, it's a secret space, doesn't leave yeah. this room. Uh, okay, so have a little check in now. How are you feeling about standing in a circle? Is it a bit easier than last time? I'm not holding a ball. I will get the ball then. <laughs> but it. You're talking more because we've been talking a little bit today, but it feels a bit different because we've done it before. So it's a bit easier, I guess, because I'm not holding a ball and going to throw something at you, but it, because it's something that we've tried again. So it's just a little reminder that if something feels really uncomfortable the first time, the next time we do it, it's going to be easier and it's going to be easier again. And so, again, that, that feeling of uncomfortableness is not a reason to stop. It is a reason to keep interrogating. It is, what's the date today? It's the middle of November, right? Is that where we are? Right, my goodness. So again, it's that time of year where we often reflect and we think about next year and what we're gonna, all the things that we're gonna do next year and all the bad habits that we're gonna kick and all those things that we're gonna take on board. I urge you over this period to take some time to reflect on some things that you wanna do next year. Take some time to slow down and interrogate them. Now, ask you all now just to close your eyes. Everyone just close your eyes. Take a big deep breath in. And what's one thing that you can take away from this session. I hope there's one thing other than just some lady throwing a ball at you. Um, have a think about it. What's one thing that you can take away? I don't care how small it is. It can be absolutely tiny because tiny increments are a really good way to make change. And tiny increments are a really good way to foster creativity. Yeah. Great. Where are you from, Anthony? Oh, great, yeah, awesome. Thank you, thanks for that.
Um, I want to thank you all very much for giving this workshop session a go and trying some things and throwing some balls and standing up and talking to each other. Um, and I hope you have a brilliant conference and a really inspiring time. Um, and I hope that you can find some ways to inject some more creativity into your work and know that creativity is not just for the creative people and that art is not just for the artists, that it is for all of us. Thank you. Have a great day, everybody. Yeah. <laughs>